You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. Before we get to today's episode, I want to invite you to join me inside General Music Jumpstart. General Music Jumpstart is a six-week online course for music teachers that feel like they just need a little bit more of a kickstart. To claim your limited time freebies, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash enroll and join me inside the six-week program. I hope to see you inside, and again, you can head on to thatmusicteacher.com slash enroll, or you can check out the links in your podcast player. Emma Bassett was born and raised in Wisconsin, but got to Texas as fast as she could. After graduating from the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point with degrees in music and psychology, she moved to Texas, where she fell in love with the great state and its dedication to fine arts education and decided to stay. While growing up in Milwaukee, she found her love of music through piano lessons. She's also a proud 10-year alum of the Milwaukee Children's Choir. Since beginning her career, Mrs. Bassett has taught all levels and genres of music in grades K-8, through including choir, band, orchestra, and general music. She's absolutely thrilled to be the music specialist at Pomona Elementary, where she also directs the award-winning Pomona Pirate Choir, who are honored to be invited performing group for the 2022 Texas Music Education Association Convention. You'll often find her wearing her tutu and sparkly shoes while singing and dancing down the halls of Panoma. When she's not at school, she enjoys spending time with her husband and their two young children. Y'all, I can't wait for you to be a part of this episode. Emma's episode is super, super informative for anyone that's interested in implementing things in towards an elementary choir. And I can't wait for you to hear the tidbits and wonderful things that she shares in today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about elementary choir with the wonderful Emma Bassett. So, Emma, thank you for taking some time and chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am really excited, too, because we, we've we kind of had this on the calendar to talk for a while, um, and it's just been a while since we, you know, since we initially chatted about actually setting this up. But since then, I have seen so many questions about elementary choir in the Facebook groups, and I see your name in there a lot responding, which is really exciting. I can't wait <laughs> to be able to pick your brain a little bit. Yay. I'm excited, too. And I'm excited I, to hear that people are asking questions about it, too, because it's my jam. This is my favorite thing. I can tell, and I can't wait to ask you some questions myself. But before we dive in, uh, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you went to school, where and what you teach, and that kind of fun stuff? Um, I went to, or I attended the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, um, where, which is like up in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Um, but I graduated in 2011, actually with my degree in psychology which is surprising. Um, but I have had a minor in music and have always wanted to be a music teacher. Um, and so, um, funny enough, after college, I kind of had a moment where I was like, I don't know what I want to do with life. And so I applied for AmeriCorps and I spent two years, um, doing, uh, national service in San Antonio, Texas, which brought me to Texas. And, um, I decided this is, I do want to teach music and I got my certification to teach down here and met my husband and the rest is history. So I ended up in Texas to stay for the rest of my life. And I'm super glad about that. 
Um, I teach at Pomona Elementary in Manville, Texas, um, which is in Alvin ISD. We're a small-ish district, but we're growing literally every single year. We're, our district is 250 square miles, and only about half of that is populated right now. Um, but it's growing. And so it's it's a really unique situation to be in and a super awesome district that's really supportive of the arts. And I've landed in my forever career home, which I just absolutely love. Um, I started out teaching junior high choir. Um, and then when I um, had kids, I looked for something that I felt was going to be a little bit less um, time demanding and moved myself to elementary and found my forever love and I will stay here forever. And um, I got to bring my love of choir with me um, to start an elementary choir on my campus. And it's just been a wild but super exciting ride. So I What love an awesome journey. Yeah. That is so cool. I love that you just kind of kept falling, you know, just falling into place where you, you start realizing, oh, I love to teach. Oh, I love teaching elementary. And I, I love that. So I, that's awesome. Yes. It's, I, and it's so funny. Like I literally took this elementary job thinking, oh, this is going to be a stepping stone at some point when my kids are bigger, I'll go back to junior high and I will never, ever go back. Elementary is where I'm supposed to be. I found my place on the carpet with the ukulele and the babies and I absolutely adore it. And it's great. So that I keep, there's a joke in my school that they're going to have to wheel me out of here when I'm about 85 because I probably won't want to leave myself. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So other than teaching, what's something that you're super passionate about and that brings joy into your life? Um, well, the biggest one is keeping my two tiny humans alive. Um, that's kind of an important thing right now. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, so they are pretty much my entire life outside of school. And I probably wouldn't want it any other way. Um, I also have a super amazing and supportive husband. I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I do without him. Um, and so a lot of my passionate is my family. Uh, they're very important and they are the reason why I do what I do. Um, my four-year-old is actually going to be a kindergartner on my campus next year. And so that makes me an even better teacher thinking about like, how do I want, like what experience would I want my kid to have in this room? Because she's going to be in this room next year, which is really cool. Um, and then outside of that, I love to read. I love to cook, which is a newfound hobby after uh, COVID and quarantine. That's not something I used to like to do, but now I do. Um, and I'm also, um, uh, newfound passion is, I, I call it Peloton. Um, I have a fake spin bike and I do Peloton workouts and I absolutely love it, which I, again, something I never thought I would love, but COVID has completely changed the entire world, including mine. So for sure. COVID has yep. changed a lot. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you. I've discovered quite a few hobbies and other things that I never thought I would ever enjoy. Yeah. If you talked to me about two years ago and you asked me if fitness or working out was one of my passions, I would have just laughed very hard and then moved on in the conversation because it's never something that I've wanted like to do. And now it's it's something that I find um, a lot of self-care in because it's my time in the morning to get myself set and get my body ready for the day. And um, it's just been a pretty positive thing for me, for my teaching, for my family, for for everything. So it's great. For sure. And as we know, self-care is very important for teachers, especially now. <laughs> yes. Ooh. And again, another thing like that I never had wrapped my head around until now. And it's a it's a, a good thing. So 
All right. So you already talked a little bit about how you kind of came to music teaching and how you ended up in your position. So let's just go ahead and dive right in and start talking about the nitty gritty, which is um, elementary choir, why it's important, you know, how, how to do it and, and what your takes are on that. So the first question I want to ask you is why do you think choir in an elementary setting can be beneficial for our students? Oh my gosh. So uh, elementary choir is where they find the love of singing and the joy of singing. And honestly, that's what it should be. Um, elementary choir should be the place where they get hooked and that they want to, they want to do more. Um, it's also, in my opinion, the place where, um, head voice is such an important skill to build. And it's really a lot easier to access in elementary before voice changes happen. And so if you can build a solid foundation of head voice in elementary choir, like, it's just the sweet spot. And that's why I think it's so important because we're building strong, healthy singers at the elementary level, because then once their voice changes, they already have that solid foundation once they move on. And if you're doing it right, they have a joy for singing and it's something that they want to keep doing for the rest of their life as well. I think you bring up a really good point where, especially when we start talking about when students' voices change, that, you know, that head voice is, is key and in, in just, you know, choral singing in general. But by having them not only sing early, but sing through it and seeing, you know, have that love of singing, like you said, that that keeps them wanting to do it when their voices start to change. That can be a really great way to set a student up for success, to give them the tools to to make it through what could be you know, a rough voice change. Um, so I really like that you brought that up. Absolutely. It's, it's just so important. So when it comes to looking for resources that you think are helpful in the classroom, that specifically in a choral setting in the elementary, what resources have you found helpful in getting your students to be successful? Um, so many. It's like hard to list, but um, I always joke that uh, my biggest philosophy and my biggest resource is that I beg, borrow, and steal. Um, a lot of the things that I do are from teachers that I've had. Um, I am very blessed that um, part of my past life is that I was in the Milwaukee Children's Choir for 10 years. And so I was exposed to some amazing choral directors, Emily Crocker, um, John Jacobson, uh, Christopher Peterson, um, they, Dr. Christopher, Dr. Christopher Peterson. Um, and I uh, use a lot of rehearsal techniques that I picked up from them um, growing up that I know work and I've tweaked other things. Um, I went to a workshop and like, I've tried to go to as much in-person live workshop sessions, clinics that I can, um, and learn from the best. Um, one that was the most beneficial was Rollo Dilworth. Um, I went to a session with him a couple years ago and his warmups for elementary and beginning voices is just like in stellar, incredible. And a yes, lot of he's these amazing. things. Yeah, he's incredible. And his repertoire for elementary choir, too, is just oh, God's gift. And it's just amazing. Um, but going and seeing those actual people, I'm a visual, like kinesthetic, in-person, in-your-face learner. And so being with the best and learning from those experts are the is where I learn and grow and bring those resources back to my kids um, the most. I also, um, everything is online. And so these communities like that we were kind of talking about in the beginning, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok now even, um, is it's all networking and professional development. And those are that's where I beg, borrow, and steal things the most is from other educators. I see a good idea. 
I think about what, how I can apply that to my kids and my group. And I go from there. Um, I, where I find repertoire, I guess, is I always look for partner songs and I spend far too much time of my life on JW Pepper, um, perusing pieces that are partner songs, um, and rounds and cannons. And that's where, cause that's where we build our base. Um, and then, and listening to those pieces of music and deciding whether they're going to work for my choir or not. Um, but a lot of my favorite, um, resources are like the King singers, rounds and cannons, um, John Feyerabend, um, and his song, his canon book. Um, and then just spending a bajillion hours of my life on JW Pepper looking and perusing things as well. A lot of good resources there. Yes. Um, I, I too, I love partner songs and rounds and things like that. Uh, but for those that might not be familiar, can you clarify a little bit about what you mean by uh, partner songs and why is it important for, or why do you think that uh, partner songs and rounds should be kind of where our foundation is at the elementary level? Yeah. Um, so a partner song is where it's two pieces of music that fit together. Um, so for example, right now my choir, and this is kind of an obscure one, but it's what's in my head right now. Um, my choir is working on a distant shore um, by Donnelly and Strid, um, which is just a fantastic piece for beginner for beginner choir. Um, but it is uh, the water is wide, partnered with a distant shore, and so when you put a piece like that together, you everybody sings one part, everybody sings the other part, and then you sing those both both of those parts together, and so the kids know everything, and then harmonies happen because those two songs get partnered together. Um, and it's where you build your base. It's, it gives them the opportunity to hear and to hear harmonies and to hear how parts fit together, but they don't have to, they're not paralleling. So they're not getting confused by, um, where their parts should be or getting sucked into a different part because the parts don't parallel. They're separate, they're separate pieces. Um, but they create, um, natural harmonies. So it's a really great way for beginners to start. Same thing with partner songs or with canons, excuse me. Um, when they are all singing the same piece, but just starting at different times, it's a really great foundation and base for building harmony and for listening across the group uh, because it forces them to listen to what they're singing, but also listen harder to what the other groups are doing so that they're not singing those parts as well. And it's just, it's the best foundation for a beginner choir. I, I think you really put that really eloquently in and really summed up why it's important and why it's kind of a simple, accessible step to get kids to sing in two parts. I mean, I don't have I don't have choir in my current position, but I do a lot of partner songs and a lot of rounds because I want my students to have the opportunity to hear harmonies and to hear how their their part fits in with another. But again, like you said, by setting it up with partner songs and with with canons and rounds, we're doing it in a way that's kind of like this the the next step that we kind of all expect. You know, it's we already know the songs. All right, now let's have two songs to sing together, and we're able to be successful in a way that isn't really super tricky, but you can make it trickier, especially with things like rounds. You can start the rounds at a different time and you can see, you know, make them closer to each other, make them have some more, more of those parallels like you were talking about. And I think it's a great way to allow students to experience part singing in a way that comes kind of natural to it. Yes. And you're seriously, you're absolutely right. And the best part is that when they have success with it, it's just like magical. Um, last week I had my first big combined rehearsal uh, because of COVID we have to do things weird, obviously, but, um, with my group and we're preparing for TMEA 
uh, for the Texas Music Educators Association. We're performing in February. And we're doing this piece that is not only a partner song, but then also a round on top of one of the partner song pieces. And it's absolutely incredible when you put it together, but we're working on canons um, right now so that we can get to that point in a couple weeks. And I had one girl who has not sung with me before and was standing right in the middle of the group. And we did our first canon successfully. And she just like her eyeballs lit up. Like, you know, I can only see her obviously from the nose up, but like her eyeballs just lit up. And I looked at her and I was like, how did that feel? And she said, that was the coolest thing I've ever experienced. And like the general consensus around the room was that that was how everybody was feeling. And it's just a, that not only the success, but the really amazing music making that's happening when you're doing there and st- that and starting with that foundation is just, oh, it gives you chills. It's great. Yeah. It's so powerful. And kind of going off that point is parents and audience members will eat that up. Yes. One thing I love doing with my performances is having the students sing a song, you know, alone or, you know, in one part and then have it do it around. And just to see how much that really adds to the piece, you know, it doesn't need to be the super long song. It could just be a, a super short folk song, but by having them sing it in around, it adds another level of sophistication and difficulty and perceived trickiness. And it's just, it's just awesome for everyone involved. Yes. Okay. And I also like, I hate to say it this way, cause I'm about to give away my secret. And if any of my parents hear this, they're going to be like, well, now we know. Um, but my first year here, I had my first choir rehearsal and I was asked to then have choir sing at the PTO meeting like three days later. And I had literally been at this school for like a week when this happened. And so I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm trying to fit in here and, you know, show you how awesome I am. And so I put a group on stage after only having one rehearsal and we did a canon and like the applause, it was just like thunderous. And like, I was like, yeah, they sing a canon, but it didn't occur to me until like that moment that that's something that they haven't seen or heard their kids do. And it's amazing to anybody who's listening. And it, it just, um, it, it just, we know what a tool it is, but an audience of parents and an audience of community members is just like super impressed by canon and partner songs. And, um, it's, it's just a giant win-win in every type of way. I wholeheartedly agree. And I, I, I totally feel the fact of, you know, trying to please everyone, especially in your first year. And you're just like, hey, look at me. Look at all these awesome things these kids can do. Um, But yeah, for sure. Um, So let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about those rehearsals you're talking about. Yes. What does a typical choir rehearsal look like for you? Do they rehearse during the school day, after school, before school? And then within that rehearsal itself, kind of how is it structured? Okay. So in a typical year, so I'm going to have to answer this kind of in two parts because right now looks totally different than it usually does. But in a typical year when I feel like we're rehearsing our best, and this is weird, but we rehearse three mornings a week for 25 minutes at a time. And I teach and sing like my hair is on fire. I have them sucked in for 25 minutes and then I send them away. And then they come back a day and a half later, a day and a half later, and we do it all again. Um, This year, I'm doing it a little different because... um, we're in a very odd situation this year that not only is it COVID, but we're also preparing to uh, sing at the state convention in February. And also we were supposed to do it last year, but my entire choir was in quarantine when we were supposed to perform. So we are doing it again this year or doing it for the first time this year. Um, 
And so I'm bringing in kids from my sixth graders who were part of the group last year that are no longer on our campus so that they have the opportunity to see the payoff of all the hard work that they've been doing for the past two years. Um, So I'm rehearsing on Mondays after school for an hour and then Tuesdays before school with my beginners and Thursdays before school with my um, returners and kind of training them to be section leaders. So this is, that's a new thing that I've never done before with choir, but it's working out really well right now. Um, And I honestly am thinking I might keep it that way because it's been nice to have like a big group rehearsal and then almost like sectionals throughout the week um, to give them uh, my leaders an opportunity to grow and to give my beginners an opportunity to kind of rise to the occasion. Um, So it's been, it's been working really well. Um, A typical rehearsal, if I'm just doing 25 minutes, they come in, we warm up for about five to six minutes. Um, A warm up for me always includes uh, a breathing exercise, um, a roller coaster or a yonsai or a siren, whatever you call it. Um, And then we do um, a vowel warm up, which to me, vowels are like so essential. Vowels to me, unified vowels are the difference between singing in your shower and singing on stage at state convention. That's what I always tell my kids. Um, and then, uh, so we work on unified vowels in one warm up, and then we do a canon warm up. After that, I've always picked uh, or chosen either specific parts of our rep that we need to work on, um, or depending on where we're at, we will sing through, we'll just work heavy on one piece. Um, but typically I try to bounce it around a lot so that I keep their attention. Um, third, fourth, and fifth graders uh, get distracted by their shoelaces. So sometimes you have to kind of just kind of keep it quick and keep it moving and not focus on anything for too long. Um, for our longer rehearsals that we're doing right now, I give them a ton of breaks, uh, but we do uh, extended warm up and then we work on cannons and we are singing some cannons for our rep. So we work on our cannon rep. We work on our partner song pieces. Um, we work on our choreography in the middle. Um, so that they're not too tired at the end. And then we kind of go back and review everything um, at the end of the rehearsal. And I typically don't work them for more than 20 minutes at a time um, because that's all my brain capacity can handle. So they're definitely at that same level where I am and maybe not even 20 minutes. 20 minutes might even be too long. So um, 20 minutes is like the sweet spot, in my opinion, to get to keep their attention and to keep them motivated. Um, and then I send them out the door and send them home and tell them to go to their Google classroom and listen to my awkward singing and rehearsal tapes, um, in, in their sleep. And, and then they come back to me and we do it all over again. That's a great way of blending the, you know, actual in-person instruction and using that on those online tools that we've for better or for worse begun to rely on (laughs) the last year or so. Um, so I can definitely see how that is a really, um, a really useful tactic, um, especially if for whatever reason, you know, if a student gets quarantined and they can't come to rehearsal, at least they still have uh, some opportunity to get exposed to the music so that they can be uh, more successful on the return. Yes. It's, I uh, was never an, like a tech user. I, when I started my career, I was very old school. Like we will sing together and there would be no technology and we don't, we don't need a white, like we don't need a projector and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why I was not young and naive, but now having Google Classroom is just a huge game changer. Uh, and whatever platform your school uses, it it's, I encourage you if you do have an outside group, like an extra group to have an, their own platform, not only for them to communicate with each other and to communicate with you, but also f- to upload practice uh, recordings to um, 
give examples of good choirs. Like you can just throw a YouTube link in and say, hey, this is a sound that I like. Let's work on, let's listen to it. And then let's work on it together when we see each other again. Like it, Google Classroom has just been a game changer for better or for worse, like you said. Yeah, it's definitely something that I originally I thought would go away go away very quickly, uh-huh. but um, now well um, <laughs> now we that were. you know here we are. But I, I even think as we begin to actually return to normal, that this the ability to post announcements and have like a landing page essentially for resources is something that's not going to go away. And I don't think it should. I think it should be a really good resource and be like, Hey, what do I need? Or, Oh, oh, there's a paper that I was supposed to have turned in or whatever. Where can I find it? Well, you can probably find it at Google classroom. That's your first place you should look. Um, And I've definitely used that with my middle schoolers um, with their canvas pages. I'm like, all right, where's the assignment? Well, where should we, where should we start? Probably on canvas. Right. Um, it, it 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 has definitely changed how, I teach and how I uh, organize myself to help them stay organized too. And it's honestly, it's also made my life easier communicating with parents too, because the other factor in elementary choir is that parents are like 80% of the equation. Like, cause your parents are the ones that are getting them to rehearsals on time. Your parents are the ones that are going to be chaperoning. Your parents are the ones that are going to be buying their shirts or their uniforms. Your parents are going to be the ones that are, um, that are helping you get pizza so that you can feed the kids before you go to a performance. Like, and so having that easy way to communicate with parents is also so essential, especially on the elementary level, because they are everything. Parents are everything at this level. I agree. Parents, they're going to make it or break it. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of us that don't necessarily teach choir, so we don't quite kind of see how choir and general music go hand in hand. How can the general music setting help students in the choral setting and vice versa? Um, so many ways. If you have a strong general music foundation and you can, you know, with note reading, rhythm reading, it makes the choral setting so much easier because I can just throw a piece of music at my students and say, yeah, we learned ta titi in class. We remember when we did it on the ORF instruments with this piece and, you know, you can, it reinforces those rhythms and that notation in the choral rehearsal, but also it just good singing takes, you know, when you're doing that in a choral setting, you have, and you're training good singing in your choral group, and then you put it in the classroom because they're not all in the same class and you're not seeing your whole choir at the same time in the general setting. So when you have those kids that you know are rock solid singers because you've trained them or because you hear them on a regular basis, if you're trying to teach a concept in your general music class, those kids are going to be the standout and the people that the kids follow. Um, and so it just, it creates a stronger foundation for everybody across the board. I like that you mentioned it's a foundation. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. This just came to me. Also, when you have older siblings that are in choir, the younger siblings are like, Ooh, I want to do that someday. And so they're like awesome in the music classroom and are trying to learn as much as they can so that when they are a third grader, they can join choir too. Um, and you get the little kids as I keep my door open during morning rehearsal and kids walk past and see what we're doing in the morning. And they're like, Ooh, that looks cool. I want to do that. And so they come to quite, they come to their general music class, like super excited and pumped and ready to learn, which is cool. 
I love that. What an extra added benefit. I, I, I think it's a great idea at leaving your door open. Uh, not only does it help, you know, other students that might be walking by, but it's also another opportunity for like just other people in the building to be like, hey, look at what's going on in this classroom. Listen, yeah. listen to what these students are capable of, um, and which is another kind of built in form of advocacy just by leaving your door open. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had to sum up the goal of elementary choir, how would you describe it? To build a foundation of a healthy singing and a love of music. Uh, I keep saying to my kids, like, I keep, say to my kids all the time, I don't care if you leave me and never do music again, as long as you've ha- found an appreciation for it and you are diving deep into something that you love now, or you've found a new appreciation for something um, that you'll carry with you forever. What I had, I don't find that a lot of my kids that are in choir stop at the end of fifth grade, because um, so my my campus goes to fifth grade. Um, I find that a lot of kids, especially like there's this one who I just absolutely adore. He's been one. He was one of my students from third grade on, um, and he was one of those kids that was kind of like on the precipice of. Um, sports and music and not that sports is bad. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and in fact you can and should do both. Uh, but he, I could see that he had a talent and he started doing piano lessons and like then joined choir. And now he's doing percussion in junior high and is just like absolutely rocking it out. And it was, but if we hadn't had that opportunity for him to join choir, it, it maybe wouldn't have been something he'd even thought about. And now he might be in junior high without like a rock solid place that he calls home, if that makes sense. And so it just, it, it gives kids an opportunity to love music in a different way. Um, I also, I get my kids out in the community singing all the stinking time. Like if somebody says, can you sing for my backyard barbecue? I'm like, yeah, we're there. Like I never, nobody's ever asked us that, but if somebody did, we would. Um, we're in a really connected community. So we perform in our neighborhood a lot. We've done parades, we've done Christmas tree lightings, we've done holiday bashes, we've done Veterans Day stuff, we've sung at the VFW post, we, we've we done it all. And it gives kids not only an opportunity to sing as much as they can, but it gives them an opportunity to go out in the community and see what music can do for real life people. Um, and so I think that elementary is where you should just be creating the fun joy environment um, so that kids just find a love of singing and a love of music and it's something that they will carry with them. I know for me personally, um, I had a hard time in elementary school because I liked to sing and so I sang probably too much and it caused me grief from other kids, you know, it was the 80s and 90s and they, you know, it wasn't cool to stand out at that time and but then I found a choir and I, it, it just, completely changed my life. And so if that can be something I can provide for kids at the elementary level, then it's totally worth it. Everything's worth it. I think it all comes back to what you're saying about building a foundation, building a musical foundation, building a social foundation, basically giving the students the the opportunities to build the this skill set and this tool set and this this understanding that if they want to continue to be professional music musicians they can if they want to go on and be professional consumers of music and just listen to music and be involved and go to concerts and things like that they can they still have that appreciation appreciation that understanding and by starting it so young and by keeping it joyful and 
and things like that, it really helps them as they start to transition between these different schools, as they start to grow up, as they start to have voice changes and all these things, it gives them more of a foundation to build upon so that whatever happens in the future, they have some some things, past experiences that they can draw on that can help them. Absolutely. Um, something else that I think is super important in elementary choir, and this I also, another begged, borrowed, and stolen thing, um, Dr. Christopher Peterson, um, when I, my high school director, um, he always said to us, everything we do, we do together. And so when we are rehearsing in my group, everything we do, even if it's weird, we're doing it together. So then nobody in this room is weird. We're all just doing something normal. So like when I, all of our warmups have some sort of a kinesthetic or movement aspect to them. And so if I like put my hand on my head and then stick out my tongue and everybody's doing it, it's normal. Right. And so it gives kids the opportunity to get outside of their comfort zone in a safe place, which I think is super important, especially right now, um, because they can um, they can be free to express themselves in a different way in a safe bubble so that when as they continue moving on, it might be a skill that they need in their math class. It might be a skill that they need in their social life, but they have it once they get to junior high when it starts to get really tough. And so I, it's, it's just, it's beyond the musical part of it, which I absolutely would I love if every single one of my students went on to be a musician or a music teacher, that'd be cool. But I know that that's not the reality for my students. Um, and so I'm just trying to give them a positive team and safe experience so that they can use that as they grow and become big human beings later on in their life. I cannot think of a, a more eloquent way to describe exactly how so many of us as music educators feel is, you know, we would love for them to be professional musicians, but we, we understand that that's not the reality. And the reality is that music is more than just learning the notes and the rhythms. Um, it's so, it's something so much deeper. Oh, absolutely. And that's what makes it so magical. It's just, it's just beautiful. That's all. <laughs> for sure. So what would you say to someone who thinks that choral music doesn't really belong in an elementary setting? And that's like, that's something we start in junior high, or that's something we start in middle school. What would you say to them? Dude, I look at people who say that to me and I'm just confused because like, why wouldn't you want your elementaries to have strong singers? Why wouldn't you want your elementary kids to come to you with a foundation, knowing how to stand on a set of risers, knowing how to perform, knowing how um, to, and not only perform, but perform on a big, in a big setting. Like it it belongs in elementary. Everything we learn from like babies on is through song and through music. And it's, elementary is just where we, we can, we can like bring that power together and use it for such something so good. Uh, It's hard. Like getting an elementary choir program off the ground is not easy. And Honestly, it requires a lot of my outside time, which is why, like I said earlier, I could not do any of this without my husband or my amazing family behind me. But it it's worth every single second of it because I have kids who just leave me with a joy of music. Uh, and you don't always see that when kids are leaving elementary because if you've got, a, you know, when you have a, a kid who only sees an, a music teacher once a week, and maybe doesn't have that much of a positive experience, they leave and they maybe never think about music ever again. But when you are giving those kids those more like a real life applicable application of music and performing, like how can that be a negative thing? It 
it's it's not. And also elementary singers are just like so eager to do whatever you ask them to do. And so it's a great place to lock in good, healthy, productive singing because if because they just want to do what you ask them to do. And so so they do it right. And it's it's where the foundation should be, in my opinion. And I, I think it's important to realize that real music happens at the elementary level. Yes. Real singing doesn't have to be eight parts split to VC. It, real no. music <laughs> happens at our elementary schools or middle schools or high schools and beyond. Real music is so much more than what we might think of it from, you know, maybe our own experiences. But there is real music happening at elementary schools around the world. Oh, for sure. And honestly... <laughs> I used, and I'm saying this knowing that I was one of those people who was a snooty junior high director for too much of my career. Man, I'm so glad I made it down to elementary and just, this is where it's at because I I used to go to TMEA and I know I've said TMEA a bunch, but that's Texas Music Educators Association. Um, I gone to TMEA in the past and been like, I'm going to go listen to Allstate and listen to all their really ridiculous repertoire and like learn so much. And that's not where I'm learning. Now that I am like where I belong and in the best place that there is, I go to those elementary groups and that's where I see the joy of music. And that's where I see the love of music. And that's where I hear the most amazing things because they just are, they're so pure and so innocent and so happy to be performing and they haven't gotten to the point yet where they've got hormones raging and crushes that are making them upset but they're you know so they're just they're in it to say to enjoy it and that's that's just the most beautiful thing i love it so emma what advice do you have for those that maybe are listening that don't currently teach choir that are thinking i want to do this this is something i want to do what advice for you do you have for them those people that want to start a choir in their schools? Okay. Two things. So one, just do it because you'll love it. And if you don't, it's, you started something, you tried it and you know, it's a, you did it. It it can't be a negative. You know, I um, think that you should reach out to people like all of these Facebook groups today, you can post something in there at eight o'clock in the morning saying, Hey, I'm thinking about starting an elementary choir. And by four o'clock when you're done with your day, you have advice from experts, like 20 comments of, you know, of great advice. And so, and that's one thing that makes being a music teacher right now so great is that you're not necessarily in a bubble anymore. Social media has made it to the point where we can reach out to experts easily, like within a minute. And it's, it's awesome, but just do it. Find some good partner songs. Um, and if you need advice on that, um, there are a couple places that I can look or that I can point you to. Um, there's, and recruit some awesome kids, like just be like, Hey, I want to start a choir. And I'm thinking about doing music like this. Would you do that? And like, start the word and have the kids you know, do the recruiting for you. Just, it, it will, you'll be surprised and shocked, not only by how many kids will come to you wanting to sing, but also how many parents will be thrilled that you're offering something for their kid to be involved in. Um, and so, um, get, get the word out, um, use however your recruit, however your school, um, gets messages out. We do social media and an e-news page, like send out a, here's a link to sign up for choir, take, 
everybody. Like I have never once done an audition at an elementary level because if they come to me wanting to sing, I'm not going to turn them away. They want to sing. So why would I say no? Um, and then start, get them singing, just get them singing right away and just get them hooked and it'll naturally flow from there. Um, I also would say like, again, with the ex, like finding other people who have done it before, if you go to like your state's MEA um, and look for those elementary performing performing groups, if you've seen them, email that person and say, hey, I'm interested in um, starting an elementary choir. Do you have advice for me? And I guarantee you they're going to email you back because elementary directors are nice people and they're pretty decently cool. So they'll um, and you'll get a wealth of knowledge from that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emma, for chatting with me. I I know I personally just love this conversation. Um, and I think it, it brought a really good, a, a lot to light that needed to be said about how important and how cool an elementary choir can be. So before we head out today, where can we find more of you online? Okay, so this is uh, something I'm excited to talk about, too. Not uh, beyond this. Um, uh, if you want to find more, the first place that I want to send you is the elementary choir director group on Facebook. Um, so not, this is kind of a hidden secret and I guess I'm letting it out now, but me and um, Taylor Schaefer, he is an amazing elementary music teacher from Nixa, Missouri. Um, he and I met each other on Facebook. We've never met in person, um, but we met in a el elementary music teacher group on Facebook and we started the elementary choir director Facebook group. And it's a great resource. It's still kind of small, but the people in there are great and super awesome um, and really willing to share. So if you um, join us in the elementary choir director group, that's a really great place to start um, and where you can find more of me. I hang out there sometimes. Um, and then um, I am also on um, Instagram. My classroom's Instagram is Pomona Pirate Music. Um, and I post a lot of the stuff that I'm doing in the general classroom, but also a lot of choral stuff there as well. And then um, I'm kind of on TikTok, but don't tell my kids. Um, I'm Mrs. Bassett Music <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I will put all the links to those in the show notes of today's episode. So that if anyone wants to learn more or join that wonderful Facebook group, they can just click and they should be able to find you pretty easily. All right. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and letting me gush about my, my love of elementary music. Thank you so much, Emma. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.